This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking Wednesday. Had to think there for a second. We got cut off last night. Had a little technical glitch. The streaming software, OBS, crashed on me. I couldn't finish the show. I had one story left, but it was the story that I was promoting all night long about Lizzo. I really wanted to do the Lizzo story, and I didn't get a chance to do it. You're gonna hear it tonight, but I'm not gonna keep. Uh, I'm not gonna keep promoting because <laughs> I, I really was. I was proud of what we were gonna do with the Lizzo story. Oh, you want to do Lizzo first? Uh, other than the fact that everything else kind of flows into it, like I can't. I can't. Unfortunately, everything else flows into the Lizzo story. Like what you may ask, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Clarence Thomas's musical taste. Clarence Thomas made a declaration today on the Supreme Court about an artist that he used to like, but apparently doesn't anymore. To which Elena Kagan responded, "Used to," because because a man declaring that he doesn't like this artist is just declaring that you do not like music. Dustin, good evening, Warlord, RB, love you guys, one billion dollars, one billion dollars is almost the sum that Alex Jones was ordered to pay, not quite a billion, but damn fucking close to it, Girl of the Grey, good evening, I do believe last night, uh, Tones was feeling generous and threw out some... Uh, 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 gift subs, and I believe you are one of the people who got a gift sub to the channel, so please enjoy it uh, through election season. Meat Cakes, thank you for the resub. Mandy, good evening. So glad to see you all tonight. Oh, it's, it's totally, it's way over a billion if you're including the ruling from uh, the other state. But this isn't even the last defamation trial Alex Jones is going to face. He's got at least one more. At least one more. But yes, the, the ruling today, and you're going to see it, uh, 900, I don't even remember what the, uh, 940, 950 million he's been ordered to pay. Totally cool. What else are we going to be talking about tonight? Uh, the Dushenko, that motherfucker. The the we're going to talk about the Steele dossier. Alexander Dushenko, I believe, is his name. FBI agent testified today in the Dushenko trial. We're going to cover that. I've got video of the mother of Ashley Babbitt talking about uh, how it was a patriotic day on January the 6th. A family of five has been sentenced for their role in January 6th. Meanwhile, Steve Bannon is worried about violence coming from the left, he says. Yes, I'm, I'm going to laugh at it with you. Here is your meme of the day. Meme that could totally be considered sexual anarchy. You live in sexual anarchy? Not high enough for this shit. Uh, I was going to talk about student loan forgiveness. The uh, Biden administration announcing uh, their preliminary plans, I believe, today. But it didn't fit in with everything else we were talking about. So we might get into that tomorrow after the debates, plural. 
I'm sorry, I didn't check out the time. I'll try to do that sometime during the show. Check out what time the two debates are tomorrow. I believe I have the time on the Whitmer-Dixon uh, debate, but I don't have the time on the mandela barnes Ron Johnson debate. No, Barnes and Johnson are at 6 p.m. tomorrow. I do not know what time Dixon and Whitmer are. Uh, I believe Michigan is in the um, Eastern time zone. So I would say they're at 7. So we'll probably come on at like 5.45 tomorrow for the Barnes-Johnson debate. And that will be directly followed by the Tudor Dixon Gretchen Whitmer debate in the gubernatorial race in Michigan. First, the Johnson Barnes debate. That will be the second debate in the Wisconsin Senate race. We're going to be going over the uh, Senate races tonight. Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina defending Herschel Walker. Defending Herschel Walker after he uh, doubled down on he didn't pay for any abortions. Victor Orban. Uh, started a Twitter account and his first day on Twitter apparently showed up and was like, where's my good friend Donald Trump? John Fetterman gave a lengthy interview to NBC. We have the full interview. I don't know if we're going to play all 30 minutes of it, but I really want to hear what John Fetterman has to say. This is his first sit-down interview after his stroke. Also got an opinion piece that was in The Hill earlier today that says you should vote for Oz because he sucks. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. The 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 thesis of this opinion piece from the Hill is you should vote for Dr. Oz because he sucks as a candidate and he doesn't know what he's doing. I shit you not. We got an update on the city council in LA. The council president has now resigned. Also, there was a debate for the LA mayor's office last night and uh one of the candidates says he's not white because he's Italian. Plus, an Alabama inmate was tortured when the state executed him last month. We're going to get into the lawsuit. Unfortunately, starting off tonight, I have another shitty cop story that's going to make you guys really pissed off. Good evening, Lenny. Mox, RB, love you guys so much. Let me let me hit the bong real fast before we do this, because I am not high enough for this shit. Yes, I was getting I was getting ready to say and an update of the story that we covered a couple nights ago. The Eric Cantu shooting in San Antonio. The cop has been charged now. He was fired a few days ago. The charges were dropped against the kid. The kid was in shackles in his hospital bed. Because they had charged him with fleeing. He he did nothing wrong. Ida, good evening, my friend. So good news out of San Antonio, but now we're moving to uh, Missouri. One of those, it's either Mississippi or Missouri. I forget which one it is. (laughs) 
Uh, we're in Mississippi. We're in Gulfport, Mississippi. We're going to hear from the local news. A mother of teens arrested in connection to an officer-involved shooting is disputing police claims. Shocker. Shocker. Apparently, they shot one of the teens in the head. Breaking news happening. So let me let me hit the content warning for this. This happened on Thursday. Happened on Thursday. Right now, court documents just released into our newsroom showing what a witness says happened before 15-year-old Jaheem McMillan was shot and killed by police in Gulfport. The documents summarize statements from the person who called the police saying he feared for his life. Family members of some of the people facing charges are telling us a different version of events. And we'll get to that in just a second, but here's what the witness told police. He said he and his passengers say they saw a silver Kia Soul driving aggressively through Gulfport and a person in that car waved a gun at them. The witness says he tried to escape, afraid for his life, but the car chased them through a red light and a parking lot. At one point, the witness says a person in the car put on a camouflage ski mask and uh, waved a gun at them again. That's when they say the car drove away and they called the police. After that, police say they located the car at the Family Dollar on Pass Road. 15-year-old Jaheem McMillan was shot after a confrontation. The other four people in the car were all arrested, none of them older than 17 years old. Now, some people involved in the case have another version of events. The mother of one of the teenagers now facing charges tells us neither her son nor Jaheem had a gun at all. Josh Jackson spoke with her for her story. I need some answers. They cannot speak. So my voice is going to be heard funny. Mary Spivery speaking out days after her son, Kion Bell, was arrested. She says he was one of five teens pulled over in a car at Family Dollar on Pass Road before an officer shot her son's friend, Jaheem McMillan. Police confirming a 15-year-old was shot in the head after an officer engaged an armed suspect. I said, so why they saying that Jaheem had a gun? He was like, Mama, Jaheem did not have no gun. And the phone clicked. Spivery's son I believe it. is currently being held at the Harrison County Detention Center on a $500,000 bond charged as an adult. I cannot see my son. Don't know when am I going to see him again or talk to him again. If I wait, wait, wait. This kid has a half a million dollar bond and we're sketchy on the details as to why. What in the world has he even been charged with? After an officer engaged an armed suspect. I said, so why they said that Jaheen had a gun? He was like, Mama, Jaheen did not have no gun. And the phone clicked. Spivery's son is currently being held at the Harrison County Detention Center on a $500,000 bond, charged as an adult. I cannot With what? see my son. Don't know when am I going to see him again or talk to him again. A $500,000 bond? Katrina Campbell is the mother of another one of the teens arrested. They haven't gave any evidence to say that these kids had weapons. Any. Any evidence. What about did they hold up a weapon at a police officer? No. No. No one never held a weapon up at a police officer. Thank you, Jaheem. Jaheem McMillan died Saturday. Sunday evening, hundreds gathering at Courthouse Pier for a balloon release. That was the last time. <laughs> I got to hold my nephew's hand, and it was on his deathbed. I'm so glad that all of y'all came out to help support my grandson. I can't do no more of this. I, I just can't right now. I'm sorry. We want. 
I and once again, I I hear these right wingers talk about tyranny from the state. This is this is the state murdering a kid. And we, we have zero indication that the kid was doing anything wrong other than a supposed 911 call in the police account. And as I've said many times on this show, police lie when they have no reason to lie. So I, I don't believe their story when they have to cover their ass. Justice. We want justice. We want justice. We want justice. When do we want it? Now. In Gulfport. Josh Jackson, WLOX News Now. As MBI continues investigating what happened on the day Jaheim was shot, many in Gulfport say they're tired of waiting for answers. Today, some people taking their frustrations to the Gulfport Police Department. Stephanie Poole spoke with them about the change they'd like to see. She joins us now live with more. That's right, residents across the Gulf Coast gathering here in front of the Gulfport Police Department. Now, this group tells me that they are just out here asking GPD for body cam footage and store surveillance video from the Family Dollar Store. Now, I'm going to move out of the shot for just a second so you can get a better look at what's going on. Absolutely. I want to see the body camera footage immediately. Dozens of signs with phrases, justice for Jaheem, no justice, no peace, and release the video. WLOX News has filed a public records request with the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation. That has been denied since this is an ongoing investigation. In Mississippi. Just this weekend, Tones, good evening. Family held a balloon vigil for Jaheem McMillan, and people here at the rally said that they plan to continue their fight for justice. Take a listen. We don't want to put any false accusations on, on the police department. Just show us. And then no one has to wonder what happened. We'll continue to release more information on this story as it develops. But now live in Gulfport, Stephanie Poole. W- you damn right we're going to be playing that body camera footage just as soon as it is released. I'm worried that we have become completely desensitized to this. Since I have been doing this show, the Troll Patrol has been a thing for two and a half years now. Not long after I started, three, four months, George Floyd happened. And and it seems like all of the stories that we've done just in this past week the mom that was rammed by the cops, the teen that was shot while he was eating a burger in his car. This story, they're, they're kind of going under the radar. I feel like it isn't penetrating the way it should. And when I talk to people about police misconduct, they seem to be entirely unaware of how bad the problem is. And it it weighs on me. It weighs on me so much. If it's not a cop murder, it's a mass shooting. I'm sure if I was to look it up, a mass shooting happened today. Let's go to another state-sanctioned murder. 
Alabama inmate endured torture during an execution attempt, according to his attorneys, Alan Eugene Miller's attorneys. And let me hit the content warning again. Clinically insane. Good evening, my friend. Alan Eugene Miller's attorney said during the September 22nd execution attempt, he was probed with needles for over an hour and hung in a vertical position in a gurney for 20 minutes. An Alabama inmate said prison staff poked him with needles for over an hour as they tried to find a vein during an aborted lethal injection last month. I... They didn't go through with it. I was confused with all the other executions we've covered here on this show. At one point, they left him hanging vertically on a gurney before state officials made the decision to call off the execution. Two men in scrubs used needles to repeatedly probe Miller's arms, legs, feet, and hands, at one point using a cell phone flashlight to help their search for a vein, according to October 16th court filing. The attorneys called Miller the only living execution survivor in the United States and said Alabama subjected Miller to precisely the unnecessary and wanton infliction of pain that the Eighth Amendment was intended to prohibit. Alabama has asked the state Supreme Court to set a new execution date for Miller, saying the execution was canceled only because of a time issue as the state faced a midnight deadline to get the lethal injection underway. Despite this failed execution, the physical and mental torture it inflicted upon Mr. Miller and the fact that the defendants have now botched three lethal injection executions in just four years, defendants relentlessly seek to execute Mr. Miller again, presumably by lethal injection. As according to attorneys for Miller, Referencing an execution that was canceled and another that took three hours to get underway. 351-pound inmate testified in an earlier court hearing that medical workers always have difficulty accessing his veins, and that is why he wanted to be executed by uh, nitrogen uh, hypoxia. Newly approved execution method the state has yet to try. Nitrogen hypoxia. That's a new one to me, and I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Nitrogen hypoxia is a method of suffocating a person by forcing them to breathe pure nitrogen, starving them of oxygen until they die. To get you high? Is it like uh, nitrous oxide? Okay, fair enough. That's what I would want then if I was facing the death penalty. Prisoner may have a mask or a plastic hood or bag strapped to his face. Colorless, odorless nitrogen gas will stream into the mask from a tank, similar to those used to inflate helium balloons. The gas could come from any one of thousands of distributors or manufacturers nationwide. If all goes according to plan, the man will be dead within minutes, oblivious to the fact that his blood oxygen level is plummeting and he will soon pass out. The above steps are an approximation based on research of how the state of Oklahoma could use nitrogen inhalation to carry out future executions, becoming the first state to do so. The 
And uncertainty surrounds how the state will obtain the gas, how it will force inmates to inhale it, what will happen should they hold their breath or resist, and how to ensure guards and visitors are safe from its toxic fumes, all of which could open up legal, practical, and public perception challenges. I... Ninetales, good evening. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you guys this, but like vivid details of death really freak me out. So I've kind of got the willies right now. <laughs> I'm glad we read that and I'm glad I can import that kind of uh, knowledge on you. But um, I really have the willies. Let's let's move on to uh, the Los Angeles City Council, where the council president has now resigned. As of just a few hours ago, take the local news hit. Warning, the video contains offensive language. I, I, some people are into that. Some people are into pimple popping. Some people are into, like, dandruff videos. Um... One time I was watching a TED Talk and it was a neurologist describe having a stroke and she she said it in such vivid detail describing exactly what was going on and it just like I had to turn it off. I had to sit there and be like The other day I was listening to Triple H talk about his his heart issues. Uh, in an interview, and I was like, I had to turn it off. It gave me the willies. I have an issue with my own mortality. That's why <laughs> That's why when I make the joke about, like, if you ever hear that I committed suicide or I OD'd, then the cops are setting me up. Because those two things wouldn't happen. <laughs> Whippets are fucking cool. I'm sure, Warlord. (laughs) So overlook me. Overlook me. Well, I didn't know you could OD on aspirin. What was I taking? I don't even remember now. Cedrin? No. What was the shit I had? I don't even remember. It was a headache medicine. I did. I I just woke a cinnamon. That's what I. Yes, yes. Clinically insane wasn't even here for that, but that's what it was. Oh, I woke up and my heart was racing, and I was nauseous as fuck. I I blew chunks all morning. Oh yeah, 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 it was, it was, it was horrendous. So, <laughs> if, okay, if I OD is on something stupid like that that I didn't know I could OD on 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 a cinnamon. <laughs> didn't know you could take too many of those motherfuckers. I don't know how many. Well, it wasn't that many, like fifteen in like twelve hours or something. 
It was enough to make me really sick. I don't ever take the shit. Had a toothache or something? I don't even remember what was going on with me. I, I'm, I just always assume like I've got a high tolerance for drugs, but also I ain't done hard drugs in years. Fuck you over. All right, let's get back to the news. Not high enough for this shit. Content warning. You might hear some offensive language. That is what the city council president of Los Angeles. I'm sorry. Former city council president of Los Angeles is resigning over. Here's the local news hit. Outraged protesters called for the resignation of three Los Angeles city council members after audio of them making racist remarks was leaked. We listened to the audio two nights ago. Recorded remarks by council members uh, Nuri Martinez, Gil Cedillo. Yeah, there's there's the audio. But hold on. Kevin DeLeon included mocking the black son of a white councilman. We heard his comments last night. I clipped that if you want to go back and watch that on YouTube. I am still trying to wrap my head around everything that was said and everything that is happening. Uh, my husband and I are both Uh, raw and angry and heartbroken and sick for our family and for Los Angeles. The lead conversation by Latino leaders also discussed protecting their power by redistricting among politically beneficial lines. Asking for forgiveness is a good first step, but, well, it's a second step because first, first, you must resign and then ask for forgiveness. These are the protests outside of City Hall. We need to be a city that doesn't just issue a statement of indignation over something like this, but does the work to make sure that no little black boy, no young Latina, no kid anywhere hears this and that no community feels disenfranchised and disempowered. We watched his comments last night. Uh, I highly recommend going back and watching the YouTube clip of that. The Los Angeles City Council member whose racist slurs and a leaked recording created an uproar resigned Wednesday, hours after the state attorney general announced an investigation into possible criminal charges involving a meeting where she made the remarks. Former Council President Nuri Martinez, the first Latina to hold the seat, announced her decision in a press release following a groundswell of outrage and calls for the resignation of her and two other council members involved in the conversation recorded last year. 
So the announcement came after Attorney General Rob Bonta said he would investigate Los Angeles's redistricting process that the three council members were discussing with a labor leader in which they schemed to protect Latino political strength in council districts. Bonta, a Democrat like the three council members, said the investigation could lead to civil liability or criminal charges depending on what is found. It's clear an investigation is sorely needed to help restore confidence in the redistricting process for the people of L.A., Buddy, there's a lot of things that need to be investigated, including that sheriff's department. Bonta spoke in Los Angeles while the council itself was trying to conduct business nearby, despite the uproar triggered by the recording, which provided an unvarnished look into City Hall's racial rivalries. Those involved in the closed-door meeting were all Latinos, while Bonta is the first Filipino-American to hold the top law enforcement job in the nation's most populous state. Three council members, Martinez, Kevin Day, Leon, and Gil Sedeo, uh, faced calls from President Joe Biden and others to resign after the recordings surfaced online. Meanwhile, there was a debate for the position of mayor of Los Angeles last night. And one of the candidates declared he's not white because he's Italian. So we're gonna see the clip from the debate here. And this question goes for the both of you. The next mayor of Los Angeles will be either an African-American woman or a white man. I'm Italian. Italian-American. Thank you. That's Latin. Thank you. Latin. <laughs> we have now high-ranking Latinos that are there that and the council and it was disturbing. Everybody heard what happened. And people feel totally yeah, we did. And they're being asked to resign. Trust takes time. Yes. It takes a lot of time. How can you create a trust with the Latino community so they know they're being heard and the community can feel they're represented too? I'm going to start with you, Mr. Caruso. You know, it starts with meeting, sitting down, and listening, and taking a lot of time. It also starts with actually looking at a track record and what we've done and what I've done in my past life. For so many years, my wife and I have been working for 40 years in the black communities, in the Latino communities, and providing... He's like a billionaire, by the way. He ain't got no lips. can't afford health care or to go to school. But quite frankly, my job as mayor is to connect with every community, the Latino community, the black community, the Asian community, right? The Jewish community. If one group rises, we all rise. We do this together in unison, and we don't separate, we don't divide, but we all say to ourselves, we can do this and we can have a better city. I almost won't watch whatever this video is just because he that dude. He was going to find my daughter. He didn't. Oh, I don't, oh, don't want to laugh at him. Oh, no. He just, I wanted to hear what he had to say based on his look alone. But he he was involved in a tragedy with his daughter, so I don't I don't I don't want to want to get into mocking that. Los Angeles mayoral candidate Rick Caruso insisted he's not white, but really Italian. The billionaire real estate developer Caruso is facing off against U.S. Rep. Karen Bass, a Democrat seeking to become the city's first black woman mayor. 
I'm just automatically against the uh, the billionaire. Yes, I am stereotyping the billionaire warlord. My apologies. I'll do it again. Uh, go ahead and look at some other races here. It appears the Democrat in the Senate race in Nevada seeing her lead shrink. I did go over my predictions for the Senate last night. And I predicted that Cortez Masto would retain her seat. Here's new polling. Nevada Senator Cortez Masto, the most endangered Democratic senator on the ballot on November 8th, holds the smallest of leads over Republican challenger Adam Laxalt. We watched him at the Trump rally on Saturday. He was very unimpressive. Apparently, she is leading 46 to 44 in a new USA Today poll. Laxalt has shown momentum since the USA Today network survey in August, narrowing a 7 percentage point gap after hammering his rival in the economy and gaining ground among Hispanic voters. At stake in the Silver State could be control of the Senate, now split 50-50 and controlled by Democrats, thanks to the tie-breaking vote of Vice President Kamala Harris. The net loss of a single seat would give Republicans a majority. I still believe they're going to pick up a seat in Ohio and Pennsylvania. I think Tim Ryan is an excellent candidate, and J.D. Vance is a particularly bad candidate. I feel that John Fetterman is a, a extraordinary candidate, and Dr. Oz is an extraordinarily bad candidate. <laughs> he is so bad, so bad, that they are writing opinion pieces in the Hill that you should vote for Mamet Oz because he's clueless about the economy. I shit you not. The Pennsylvania Senate race between John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz. Mehmet Oz. I say it wrong every time. I apologize. Is being closely watched. And it should be. Whoever wins will not only represent his state's interests, but also likely be extremely influential in what is projected to be a very narrowly divided Senate after the midterm. There are many social issues, such as abortion, gun control, and crime, that are high of mind for many voters, but as a small business owner who works directly with hundreds of other business executives, both in Pennsylvania and around the country, I think it's important to be clear which candidate would be better for business. That candidate is Mahmet Oz. So, yeah, yeah. Why, why would... Why would Oz be good for business? Because John Fetterman would kick authority in the balls. He's kicking authority in the balls. Some of us are for it. I totally understand this dude's position. He should be scared. (laughs) Why should you vote for Oz? Because Met Oz would be a terrible senator. But also, and I have no doubt about this, he'll be a very good Republican. Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? The entire Oz campaign has been one giant endorsement for John Fetterman. <laughs> Who, by the way, sat down for an interview with NBC News. It's rather lengthy. We'll watch a good portion of it here because Fetterman rocks. Start with how we're set up here. 
This is very different than the last time we were here in your home and talking. Walk me through why we need the closed captioning, how it works. It's, it's really just how things happen because I sometimes will hear things in a way that's not perfectly clear. So I use captioning. So I'm able to see what you're saying on the, uh, in captioning and I'm able to respond to, uh, with the, the question. And that's the auditory processing. Yeah, that auditory processing where you know, I'll hear someone speaking, but sometimes it'll be able to be precise on what exactly that they're saying. I use captioning. So you can make sure that you know exactly what I'm asking you. Yeah, exactly. I, I know what you're being said to make sure that I'm able to give the, the perfect answer. Well, look, this is clearly not the typical candidate interview. You had a stroke just days before the primary here. This is the first time you've sat down with a journalist in person. You have closed captioning technology to help with those auditory processing issues. Will this impact how you do your job if elected? For example, will you need potentially accommodations like this on the Senate floor? I don't think it's going to have an impact. Uh, I I feel like I'm going to get better and better uh, every day. And by January, I'm going to be you know, much better. And Dr. Oz is still going to be a fraud. (laughs) That's what I was assuming that like strokes take a little bit of time to like relearn things. Right. Like it is typical for him to be missing a step or two during the recovery process. The first few months after a stroke, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not, I'm not a medical expert by any means. I didn't realize it had hit him this hard. He does still seem to be all there, just having a little trouble being as snappy as what he used to be. I didn't I didn't realize it had hit him this hard. So this is an interesting interview, but right there, I mean that was a, an incredibly witty remark that he just fired back. So he's He's clearly got the mental capacity. You know, but, uh, you know, I I guess what I'm saying is, is that there really isn't anything that's going to stop me from doing this job. I mean, it took you a long time to get back on the campaign trail. Can voters trust that you will be able to do this job on day one? Yeah, of of course. Uh, I I think that uh, the the campaign itself is, is... is incredibly difficult and you know even with or without having the stroke uh, as an issue but uh you know i've been able to run a successful campaign uh despite having the the issues with auditory processing etc so i believe i'm going to be able to serve uh effectively you've been on this road of recovery i'm sure it hasn't been easy this is a serious health condition this is a serious health issue that you experienced what has that recovery process been like? How has it changed your day-to-day experience? The, the, it's, it's everything, it changes everything. Yeah. Everything about it has changed. Basically having a conversation with your wife to having a conversation with your children, just you know things, uh, especially early after the stroke, um, the ability to really understand what exactly what I'm being heard is, but it gets much, much better where I, I take in a lot. But to be precise, I use captioning. So that's really the major, uh, that's the major uh, challenge. And every now and then I'll miss a word every now and then, uh, or sometimes I'll maybe mush two words together. But 
as soon as I have captioning, I'm able to understand exactly what's being asked. But even after the stroke, uh, immediately after that, I was able to read everything and I haven't lost any memories or anything like that. It's just really the lingering issue that I have. Yeah, I mean, I know before this, you've admitted you hadn't really thought about your health very much. You hadn't taken great care of yourself. What's it like now for you? Is there some frustration in having to face this, you know, every day? It's not frustration. It's, it's just a challenge actually. Uh, and it, I always thought I was pretty empathetic, uh, uh, emphatic. Uh, I think I was very, excuse me, empathetic. Uh, you know, that's an example of the stroke, empathetic. Yeah. I, I always thought I was very empathetic uh, before having a stroke. But now after having that stroke, I really understand, you know, much more kind of the challenges that Americans have day in and day out. Uh, so it's, I think it's made, really reminded me that one, how critical healthcare is, because healthcare saved my life. I wouldn't have survived if I didn't have the kind of health care that I have. And, uh, and it also, the support that I get going to having speech therapy and just making sure getting back to being to 100%. You know, that's, those are the kind of resources everyone deserves to get because strokes can have to anybody. I mean, when you have moments like you had just now where fantastic answer a word out, right? How, how does that feel for someone who, you know, as a politician, a lot of what you do is talk, talk to constituents, talk to your colleagues, right? What's that experience like of just not quite being able to get the words out in the way that you want them to? No, I, I, I don't think uh, it was it was hard. It was just about having to be thinking more uh, sl- uh, uh, slower. To just understand. Uh, and that's sometimes that's kind of the processing that happens. So you say you're on the road to full recovery, but right now voters really have to take your word for it. We've asked for your medical records. We've asked to have a conversation with someone from your medical team to interview your physician. You've declined those requests. Why? Well, I, I feel like we have been very transparent in a lot of different ways when our doctor has already given a letter saying that I'm able to serve and to, to be uh, running. And then I think there's, you can't be any more transparent than standing up on a stage with 3000 people and having uh, a speech without a teleprompter and just being and putting everything and yourself out there like that. I think that's as transparent as everyone in Pennsylvania can, can see. I mean, respectfully, that letter from your physician, that was six months ago. You've talked to yourself about how this is a journey. There's the recovery process can be up and down. Don't voters deserve to know your status now? As I said, you know, being on in front of thousands and thousands of, of people and having interviews and getting around all across Pennsylvania, that gives everybody and the voters decide, you know, if they think that it's it's really the issue. But the voters aren't doctors, right? I mean, look, you have styled yourself as the no bullshit candidate, right? It's why a lot of people are drawn to you. Sometimes that's He's kicking that's authority easy. in the Sometimes, balls. Sometimes, like in moments like this, that gets tested. That's what we like about him. Not follow through on that and be fully transparent and release all of that information. No, and, and I said, I am putting everything tested. I am being out and being tested day in and day out. And, you know, if, if my doctor... We're seven minutes into this interview. I'm, I'm fine. And, I'm- and the only conversation about policy has come from Fetterman turning her question around into a matter of policy. 
using his stroke to talk about the need for health care and expanding health care access. Like, there has been no policy questions from the interviewer at all. I'm ready to go on that. Then I'm not really sure that's much more beyond transparent. But we're taking your word for what your doctors are telling you, right? We haven't heard from Move them. on. Well, I mean, if they believe that I was ready to, to do that, and I've been able to successfully do that kind of campaigning, I think that demonstrates what they've said and their, their opinions were actually pretty accurate. And I know this is a tough conversation for you to have, but look, this isn't without precedent, right? In in 2012, Senator Mark Kirk of Illinois suffered a stroke during his race. After some pressure, he released records. You've been called on by the Washington Post, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, the New York Times. There are a lot of folks asking for this, so why not? No, no Republican candidate like Herschel Walker would agree to this kind of probing. As I said, I, I feel like... You know, I've been very transparent to the point of what what voters could make the decision on whether I'm I'm fit to to run or fit to serve. In what way do you think you've been transparent? As I said, I put out uh, an evaluation of my medical team. Seriously, clinically. Campaigning and going around everywhere, uh, all across Pennsylvania. This is NBC News. And I think that's, they're able to make their own, uh, their decision. All right. And and just to be clear right now, are there any other symptoms or health conditions that you have not disclosed? I'm sorry. uh, No, 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 I don't. uh, In terms of the auditory processing and things. In terms of any any symptoms related to the stroke or any other conditions, you know, um, you hadn't disclosed the AFib you were diagnosed with uh, five years ago. Is there anything else that. Why would that even be an issue? Conditions or symptoms that you have not told voters about. As far how as many know, how many Americans have issues as as with know, AFib? Have one in five, one in six, or something? I don't know what the number. We've got a is. debate coming up. In I'm a sure it's, it's, it's pretty common. About the debate, are you committed to showing up on October 25th to debate your opponent, no matter what happens? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not concerned. Yes, October twenty fifth. I'm very much looking forward to that debate. Transparent, and people can make their own decisions. Uh, you know, during the debate. Sorry to clarify. Are Are you committed to showing up on October twenty fifth, no matter what, no matter what your opponent says or does? Well, yeah, of course I'm going to show up on the. Box, you might be right on that. How has your prep for a moment like this changed from the primary? Considering the auditory processing issues, some of the issues with speech, what has the prep been like? And are you confident going into that debate? It's, it's going to be basically the same kind of prepping as it would be for any debate, except I'm just going to make sure that we have captioning in- included in all of it. How have you been? Which I think is perfectly reasonable. Uh, having practicing and you know, figuring out the, technologi- the technological issues. So you've acknowledged your race is very close. Uh, Josh Shapiro, who's running for governor, is sort of running away with his race, which indicates that there might be... Doug Mastriano is a particularly bad candidate. ...voting for Oz. Why do you think that is? I, I, I think that the difference in there is, is that uh, we've had over $20 million unload on us in the last five weeks. So, of course, that's had, uh, you know, an impact. Uh, now, I... 
NBC News does deserve criticism for this, but also I'm sure the campaign's motive was like, well, let's send him out there and show the media. Let's dispel this by letting him give a long-form interview and show that he is fit. Uh, on, on the race. And Fox News has all ganged up on us and every night. In fact, more than every other of the candidates uh, combined, actually. And that's that's a, a truth. So that's changed the, the dynamic there, true. When when the other uh, opponent, Doug Mastrano, hasn't spent any money or any commercials or any kinds of facts. So, of course, that, that really reflects, you know, the, 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 the dynamic, quite, to be honest. So with that, I mean, how confident do you feel about your ability to clinch this thing? Uh, I, I'm going to run the kind of race that we've run. And, of course, it'll be closer, but it's a different kind of race, a, a different dynamic. And it's a national uh, call uh, that, you know, is going to be made uh, you know, at the national level, not, not just, uh, and just in Pennsylvania. So you have resources, you have PACs, and you have Mitch McConnell and other people involved in bringing in tens of millions of dollars that just uh, are absent in the, the, the gubernatorial race. The president just took a major step on the issue of marijuana decriminalization, pardoning thousands. I know you had some conversations with the president when he was here. What can you tell us about those conversations and how momentous I'll smoke to that. is in your view? Uh, I, I mean, I think it's it's really, I mean, it's going to change the nation in, in a way in terms of our conversation about marijuana and allowing uh, to be on the path to bringing where it should have always been. It should be legalized and people shouldn't have had their, their careers uh, damaged for having just simply using a plant and using it in a way that it's legal in some states or it's illegal in others, you know, those kind of charges carry you for your life. And given that second chance, I think is what a majority of American would want to see happening. And, and I believe that even in very conservative states like South Dakota, you know, all of these kinds of states have already voted democratically to make it legalizing it. So it's really not controversial. It's just the right way to go. Speaking of pardons, as lieutenant governor, one of your big jobs, one of the things that you were most passionate and proud of is being head of the board of pardons. Um, I, I know it's one of the reasons why the rod is attacking him right now. But your opponent has attacked you for some of the moves you made as, as uh, head of the I board. I just of said that. And he's very much trying to make crime an issue in this race. But it's not just Oz, it's also voters. A lot of the voters that I've spoken to <laughs> list crime as a top issue. And some of those attack ads do seem to be working. Voters have referenced those ads to me. Do you think that your stance on clemency, on crime, might be out of touch with Pennsylvania and with this moment? What do you say to someone who's concerned that this is not... Nah, not at all. Relaxed? He's kicking authority in the balls. We like that around here. Well, I, I believe uh, that every every person um, uh, that uh, had had uh, some commutation, uh, it's, a, it's a tiny, tiny fraction. It's around... Top issue is sexual anarchy. You live in sexual anarchy? Over 5,000 people in that situation. And every single person voted on this and supported it from the warden, from to the secretary of corrections, all the way down to the guards and all five members of the board all voted yes. And the governor did off the signed off on that. So, you know, and I, I believe 
in redemption. And I would just ask anyone watching. I, I made the balls purple or chose purple balls just because I wanted to be as clear as fuck that they are, are not actual balls as to not get terms of service. I thought about hot pink. I thought about many different things. I thought purple was the most standout color that these are not real balls. I would say if you've seen Shawshank Redemption, the movie, and if you, at the end of the, the movie, you would vote to have Morgan Freeman's uh, character die in prison, then that's really those, that's the choice. That's really that you look at at the end of it. And if somebody's done 40, 45, or even more than 50 years, and they've had a perfect record, and, and they have demonstrated uh, a lot of remorse for what's done, I haven't met a single person that said, yeah, Morgan Freeman should die in prison. It's all a choice on redemption and, and giving somebody a chance to not die in prison that is no of any danger to the public whatsoever. But it's a little bit about priorities, right? And for voters who say, I'd rather prioritize the safety of me and of my kids in and around Philadelphia than prioritize... Truck nuts is what I Googled to get those. ...or lower sentences for criminals. What do you say to those voters? Well, I actually have a record in fighting crime. Uh, as mayor of Braddock here for during four terms... Uh, he was secretly Braddock Batman. ...significant gun violence issue. And I ran for mayor in the first place to be a mayor to, to, to fight uh, crime violence. And we went five and a half years without a murder in, in town. And we made it effectively by partnering with the, the police and the community. And we funded the police. We funded the police and created the, the police and the, the community. So I'm the only candidate that I'm actually usually based Fetterman over Dr. here Ross has never done anything about crime except going around and, and running a bunch of commercials lying about my record. But at what's what's true? He's kicking that, authority the balls. My time as mayor, I stopped the killing here. Do you think Democrats have messed up on the issue of crime? Have they hurt their chances because of the defund the police movement, for example? No, I I don't support the the the, the fund, nor I ever have, and so uh, you know it, it's not really relevant to to me in this race because. I've been a strong a proponent uh, for the police and worked with with a, a police department for nearly 14 years. Do you disagree with how your party, though, has handled the issue of crime? I, I it's I I'm only going to re, uh, react to how I handled it and what I've always believed and what I. He's really mainstream with what the party says, ma'am. Like he he is given like the party line. Talking about defund the police, that's that's us over here that are very small part of the, the the Democratic coalition. A lot of us don't even consider ourselves Democrat, I would assume. All right, when we come back from the other side of the break, we are going to talk about Lindsey Graham defending Herschel Walker. Victor Orban hops on Twitter. And asks where his buddy Trump is. We're going to hear from the mother of Ashley Babbitt. I got video of the mother of Ashley Babbitt. She's going to give you her thoughts on what happened on January 6th. Plus a Texas family was sentenced for their role on January 6th. Got video of Steve Bannon talking about how he's worried about leftist violence. 
into the Deschenko trial. Uh, it's day two or three now. Plus, the Treasury Department may be looking into Ron DeSantis. I'm going to do the Lizzo bit that I was going to do last night. Oh, we're going to talk about Alex Jones, of course. All that and more when we come back the other side of the break here on the Troll Patrol Live. I would hope you have thoughts. You're not an NPC. You're not a bot. I'd hope you have a lot of thoughts. You really think I'm shoplifting? Relax. I'm just urban foraging. Earth made food as a free gift for all. See somebody shoplifting. No, you didn't. Just saying. My thoughts. You know what the number one type of theft is in this country? Wage theft. The remedy isn't in criminal court. I mean, I endorse the message. She it looks like she's got some uh, nice steak strips there. Looks like it's cut up. It might be like it might be a skirt steak, and it's kind of like crumpled up. Maybe maybe she's gonna throw a skirt steak in the crock pot. That's what I like to do: throw a skirt steak in the crock pot. Maybe get some mashed taters. a gravy out of, the, out of the juices of the crock pot at the end pour that shit on your mashed taters Stir, that skirt steak's all nice and, and, and tender and like shreds up yum yum it's, it's, it's soup for her family that's what she's working on she gonna make some soup for her family I'm into it. I was going to try to, um, you know, get all the Senate candidate stories in before the commercial break. It just didn't happen. Also, like the Fetterman interview was long. We still had like another 15 minutes. Here, here, here. Let me actually do this. If you want to watch the full Fetterman interview. You want to pick up where we left off. Let me drop that in the comments for you. I really know beef, don't I, RB? You live in sexual anarchy? I don't I don't know about them Instapots. I don't know about them uh, air fryers. I know how to cook and like I'm set in my ways. 
Another person who's set in his ways is old Lindsey Graham. He thinks you should uh, still vote for Herschel Walker, even though he's a horrible person. Lindsey Graham went on uh, Sean Handy to tell you why Herschel Walker is still your candidate. Races, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. Senator, it's a pretty dark business you chose to be in, I'll say that. Um, But it is what it is. And, you know, I know the gloves are off against Herschel Walker. He's denied the allegation about the abortion. Um, there's another they have receipts with, with Warnock's church and and kicking people out of out of uh, some housing that they have. Um, and Herschel's offered to pay back rent if need be for some of those people. But you see Warnock, you see his record and you see the attacks only on Herschel. Why is that? Because the road to the majority runs through uh, Georgia. Democrats know that the media knows it. I learned something. I didn't know what you said until tonight. I didn't know this about Warnock. I just heard it tonight. Well, I bet nobody in Georgia knows it because if you're waiting on the media to tell you about what's going on in Georgia other than destroying Herschel Walker's life, you're going to wait a hell of a long time. Remember Kavanaugh? Remember how they played the game right at the end? They come up with some letter, uh, take the guy blindside, another allegation, another allegation, trying to drive him out Well, he stood in there. And I tell you what, Herschel's... Or maybe, maybe he was just a shit person, Lindsay. Going to stand in there, too. So this needs to be an ad. What you said needs to be turned in an ad. It's $2 million a week to run one ad in Georgia, TeamHerschel.com. Warnock has raised $90 million. Herschel's raised $30 million. Every liberal in the country is all in to make sure Warnock wins in Georgia. We need to be all in for Herschel. So let's raise some money tonight, TeamHerschel.com, to take what you said and tell Georgia about Warnock, because if we don't turn it into an ad, you're never going to know it. Well, I didn't know, Senator, that uh, uh, in a domestic uh, dispute that somebody... Dustin brings up a really good point. Warnock's team knew about the abortion. They actually... (laughs) They were betting that the this story wouldn't come out, that the woman wouldn't come forward. Like they they actually talked about it among themselves. And it was like, oh, she won't come forward. <laughs> That's how stupid these people are. Oh my god. And then she came forward because she said, like, I'm tired of the hypocrisy. She has a kid with him. She has a, like a 10 year old with Herschel Walker. It is his, is this another kid or is this one of the ones that we found out about a few months back? Cause the woman is still anonymous as far as I know. You can make an allegation that uh, (laughs) the spouse tried to run you over with a car and that person didn't get arrested. Uh, I would think that if you're covering up uh, an investigation into child abuse and you obstructed justice in that case, and in fact it did happen, uh, and you ran the camp, how come the people of Georgia don't know that? How is it possible? Well, I knew about that one. That allegation came up last time. Paying child support. For all the stuff that's been said about Herschel Walker, some of it he says is absolutely not true. Uh, Where's Warnock ever being asked a single question about any of it? Well, he's never going to be asked. I hope we have a debate. We're going to have one debate Friday night. I hope this is brought up. But here's very much looking forward to the debate on Friday night. Spent three to one. 
He needs to run ads talking about Warnock voting against border security and increasing the IRS by 87,000 votes. He needs to run ads telling the people in Georgia that Warnock has shut down domestic oil and gas production in the United States, making us more dependent on foreign oil and gas. And he also needs to tell the story about the double standard here. This October surprise against Herschel, you think that's an accident? They waited this long to drop it right before the election? So here's what you can do to help Herschel Walker and to help your own family. If you live in Georgia, vote for Herschel. Tell your friends to vote for Herschel. If you don't have a friend, go make one. If you don't live in Georgia, you can tell people you know in Georgia to vote for Herschel. But all of us can send some money tonight to TeamHerschel.com so he can run two ads, not one. Warnock's money is not coming from inside of Georgia. I hope the people of Georgia know that. None of it. Yeah. All right, Senator. Oh Grant. yeah, yeah. None of none of the camp. money is coming from inside Georgia. Uh, Nine tells I, I don't want to be the well actually guy, but well actually the January sixth committee is tomorrow. It is tomorrow when we will be meeting back here at twelve forty five. We'll be carrying the January sixth committee hearing live tomorrow. As well, tomorrow, we got a busy day. Tomorrow night is the second debate between uh, Mandela Barnes and Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. That's at 6 o'clock. So we'll come on at like 5.45 to cover that debate. And tomorrow is also the Tudor Dixon-Gretchen Whitmore, de- Whit- uh, Whitmer debate. The Mission gubernator- Michigan gubernatorial race. Sorry, I got a little tongue-tied there. I don't exactly know what time that one is, but I think it's 7 o'clock. Check back on my YouTube. Check back on my YouTube. Uh, I'll have the I'll have the events all laid out. And I think it worked where we skipped the all... all went to the different events last time, and it worked out, hopefully. But tomorrow is the January 6th committee... We'll be coming on like 12.45. And let's talk about old Trumpy boy. Well, Victor Orban. Victor Orban hopped on Twitter. The pro-Putin Hungarian leader joined Twitter and said, Where is my good friend, Donald Trump? <laughs> let's check out his tweet here. After my first day on Twitter, there's one question on my mind. Where is my good friend, Donald Trump? And he drops the John Travolta. Drops the John Travolta gift. Well, if Elon gets back in charge, perhaps, perhaps you'll get your wish. Wait, am I unbanned? Nope, nope, I'm still suspended. Elon, Elon, please let me back on Twitter. The Washington Post earlier today breaking the story that apparently a Trump worker told the FBI... Whoa, hold on. Trump worker told FBI about moving Mar-a-Lago boxes... What? Got me twice. It got me twice. 
I think that was the front story, though, when I was looking over here. <laughs> here we go. Former Trump employee told the FBI that Trump ordered Mar-a-Lago boxes to be moved. Reporting from Reuters. A former employee of Donald Trump has told federal agents the former president asked for boxes of records to be moved within his Florida residence after receiving a government subpoena demanding their return, the Washington Post reported on Wednesday. The testimony of the key witness, coupled with surveillance footage the Justice Department also obtained, represents some of the strongest known evidence to date of possible obstruction of justice by the former Republican president. The FBI conducted a court-approved search on August 8th at Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago. The employee who was working at Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence in Florida was cooperating with the Justice Department and has been interviewed multiple times by federal agents, the newspaper reported, citing people familiar with the situation. The witness initially denied handling sensitive documents and in subsequent conversations with agents admitted to moving boxes at Trump's request. Justice Department did not immediately respond to a request for comment because, of course, they didn't. Now, here is a juicy one. The mother of Ashley Babbitt went on with Newsmax, I believe it was. This January 6th was a patriotic day that was ruined by the FBI. <laughs> Oh no, this is she went on Mike Lindell's Truth TV. People that were actually there, they talk about what an inspiring, uplifting, patriotic day that was, you know, singing patriotic songs and and enjoying the company of patriotic people. Ashley included, you know, I I hold comfort in the fact that I've seen her walking down the inaugural path and I see that as one of it was a happy moment in her life, you know, she was uh, celebrating the fact that she was there, celebrating the fact that she just got to see Donald Trump speak. Um and so I appreciate everybody that was there sharing that day with her. And then, you know, it suddenly turned violent. And I would like to see the catalyst for that change because it's my belief that the Capitol Police waged war on the American unarmed. Ma'am, you can see what the catalyst was. Your daughter was part of a group that was trying to tear down a door feet from where Congress people were fleeing for their lives. We've all seen the video. I feel like she wasn't she like up on somebody's shoulder. She was elevated in some way and that's why she got shot. Yes, your daughter was lured in by a cult. From citizens that day and um, the FBI um, were were active in, in making sure the violence happened and um, actually the FBI did it. That's her excuse. The FBI did it. Now I know when you're mourning the loss of your daughter, I'm sure you can you can reason some pretty crazy fucking things, but come on. Come on. The FBI did it. Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? My god, I bet she would tell us about Ray Epps if we asked. I I almost guarantee it. Have you seen the video of Ray Epps? An entire Texas family of five was sentenced today in the January 6th investigation. So, huh. It's a family affair. It's a family affair. At the same time, that Oath Keeper seditious conspiracy trial. Hey, it's Scott McFarland. 
at the Canon U.S. House Office Building. So, tomorrow's a big day. Tomorrow at 1 p.m., what could be the final public investigative hearing of the House Select January 6th Committee. Right inside that door, here on the third floor of the Cannon Building. At the same time, that Oath Keeper's seditious conspiracy trial continues at Washington, D.C. Federal Court. Arguably, the highest level, highest profile January 6th criminal trial. Beatcakes! But despite those big things being on the calendar, I was absolutely transfixed by a lower-level case from January 6th that went to sentencing today. The case of the Munn family of Texas. Five members of the same family, all sentenced one after another after another. They all pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor for their role in the Capitol breach and all asked for leniency today. Mom and Dad, Dawn and Thomas Munn, were sentenced to 14 days in jail, and they can break the jail sentence up into smaller chunks to serve it, according to the judge. A brief period of home detention, three years probation. The oldest of the three children, adult children, who pleaded guilty and were sentenced, gets a period of home detention, three years probation. The two other children, probation only. It wasn't the sentences that I found so impactful today. It's how that case is so representative, such a good snapshot of where we are 21 months into this, the largest criminal prosecution in U.S. history. Because those sentences are quite representative of what other misdemeanor defendants are getting periods of jail you can measure in days and weeks. Nearly 900, almost 900 defendants in the U.S. Capitol riot. Roughly, very roughly, about half have their cases closed, which means there's hundreds more defendants to come. And that sentence today sets a further precedent for more misdemeanor defendants to come. We're, we're also, seeing people pleading yeah, out and shit right now. On, the mother said at sentencing, in her plea for leniency, she emphatically leaned in again on her questions about the 2020 election, saying she still has questions, still wants answers, and it was those questions that brought her here. She is still emphasizing her questions about the 2020 election, which is also like... Of course she is. ...some subset of defendants, 21 months later, even when they asked for leniency. Good evening, and thank you. The Munn family of Border, Texas. Uh, despite despite the fact that we see the violence almost predominantly coming from the right, Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon says he is worried about the left's violence. go to the pandemic war like he's awaiting trial right now he was arrested not that long ago right the messaging's been right the selection of candidates and everybody's not totally happy with the candidates we there's a lot of maggot folks that we would have loved to have won that didn't there's some established people that won but it's we're beyond that now given the team we've got given the issues we've got given all the efforts to get we've gotten it's obvious and you can see this the inflection point ron as you know and you and i talked a lot about that in, in 16 and 20. This is the head of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel. Ronna Romney McDaniel, Romney's daughter. The other side understands it's over, and they're starting to throw guys under the bus. They're starting to as candidates. But on media, it's getting more and more frantic. It's getting more and more, uh, you know, uh, I think dangerous rhetoric pointed at Republicans in MAGA. What would be your recommendation? How do, how do we tone down that rhetoric on the left who obviously when they see the house and the senate 
state legislature, school boards slipping away from their grasps are only going to get more and more desperate? Well, I think it's what you and I believe in, which is grassroots, neighbor to neighbor. The best way to change a vote, the best way to calm somebody down is to have a conversation. And I say to people, it's not a time to be shy or to be uncomfortable talking about politics. When you talk about these school board races, your kids being cut out of school and you're pissed off, you got to talk to people about it. You talk about gas prices, talk about inflation. And then when Democrats are trying to accuse Republicans of intimidation or or scare tactics. Justin Freegan and Echoplex Media have way better audio than Steve Bannon's pandemic war room. And these are simple conversations. It's a lot of common sense, but we have to be out talking. We cannot just expect other people to do this for us. We can't say, oh, the party has this or my candidate has this. Every single one of us role in making sure we win in this. It was horrible audio. <laughs> horrible audio. And also fuck Steve Bannon. Let's move over to the Dyshenko trial. Part of the Durham investigation. This is the only thing that's ever going to come from the Durham investigation. Witness contradicts the theory against the Trump dossier analyst. The FBI agent who questioned a think tank analyst charged with lying to the Bureau about his role in the creation of a flawed dossier about former President Donald Trump has twice testified that he believes the analyst was truthful with him, jurors heard on Wednesday. FBI analyst Brian Otten testified for a second straight day at U.S. District Court in Alexandria at the trial of Igor, I called him Alexander Dushenko, Igor Dushenko, the Russian-born analyst who now lives in Virginia, faces a five-count indictment alleging he made false statements to the FBI about his sources of information that he provided about Trump to British spy Christopher Steele. Prosecutors allege that Dushenko fabricated one of his sources and obscured another when he was interviewed by the FBI about his role in the Steele dossier. That dossier, commissioned by Democrats in 2016, raised allegations of connections between the Trump campaign and the Kremlin. During Wednesday's cross-examination, though, Auten acknowledged that he had he has had positive things to say about Dushenko in past testimony to a Senate committee and to the Office of the Inspector General, both of which conducted their own investigations about the FBI probe into links between Trump and Russia and found uh, no uh, impropriety. The jury heard a partial transcript of testimony Otten gave to Senate committee in October of 2020, in which Otten said Deshenko was being truthful about who his subsources were. I don't think he was fabricating subsources. Yes, this is the subsource dude. This is giving me flashbacks. I don't, I don't, I don't want to stick to this. I want to move to how the Treasury Department is apparently going to look into. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis and his little migrant stump from a few weeks back. Whether Governor DeSantis improperly used federal funds to pay for flights transporting migrants from Texas to Massachusetts. DeSantis took credit for flying about 50 migrants last month to the island of Martha's Vineyard off the coast of Massachusetts in a move to intended to draw more attention to the rising cro- uh, number of migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. Democratic Senator Ed Markey and other federal lawmakers from Massachusetts sent a letter to the Treasury Department shortly after the flights asking it to examine 
determine whether Governor DeSantis used money from federal COVID-19 aid to pay for the flights. You know he did. You know he did. He's caught. Now we'll see what comes of it. Just a slap on the wrist, probably, because he's going to be running for president as well, and he's going to get away with it. Someone who's not getting away with it is Alex Jones. Ordered to pay $965 million. Almost $1 billion. It was a hoax that the parents of the children killed were paid actors. Tonight, he's now been ordered by a Connecticut jury to pay $965 million in damages to several families who suffered from his false claims, his lies, and threats from those who listened to Jones. 20 first graders and six teachers and staff were killed at Sandy Hook Elementary, their young faces just six and seven years old, uh, still so moving nearly 10 years later now. Jones took the stand in the case and made news when he said he was done apologizing. The judge had already found him liable for defamation. It was the jury in charge of determining the damages. And today we witnessed the tearful scene in court. After years of lies and threats, family members openly weeping. So the question tonight, will those families see any of this money? ABC's Eva Pilgrim leading us off. Tonight, a Connecticut jury punishing Alex Jones for years of lies with a staggering verdict, ordering the conspiracy theorists to pay nearly a billion dollars in damages to the families of Sandy Hook victims. As the verdict was read, some of them in the courtroom, like Robbie Parker, weeping. What we were able to accomplish was just to simply tell the truth. And it shouldn't be this hard, and it shouldn't be this scary. But while the truth was being said in the courtroom, he was standing right here lying. Lawyers for the family showing how just hours after the massacre that left 20 first graders and six staffers dead, the InfoWars host claimed it was all a hoax and the grieving parents, actors, Jones mocking them on his show. Doing classic acting training where he's laughing and joking and they say, hey, we're live. He goes, oh. <laughs> In gut-wrenching detail, eight families and an FBI agent recounting nearly 10 years of abuse, death threats from Jones's followers. Parker, who lost his six-year-old daughter, Emily, testifying about how he was verbally attacked by a man on the street. And he had so much venom and so much hatred for who he thought that I was. Even as the Parker family prepared to lay Emily to rest, they worried about the threats. Mama Lissa hiding in a closet near the coffin. What if someone came into her funeral? What if people started yelling or protesting and came inside? Like every little thing we did, I was paranoid. In the courtroom, Alex Jones forced to face those families. You put a target on his back just like you did every single parent and loved one sitting here. Didn't you? No, I didn't. Today's verdict comes just two months after a Texas jury awarded another Sandy Hook family nearly 50 million in damages. In this trial, Jones was defiant, telling the court he was done apologizing. Now, I've already apologized to the parents over because and over again. You know, I don't apologize to you. Objection. Don't apologize to you. Lawyers for the families argue Jones built a lie machine for profit and needs to be stopped. Ten years since these families lost their lives, and even now. Even now, he's still doing it. 
Jones has filed for bankruptcy, claiming he has no money. Last year, he was found liable in four defamation cases, and lawyers for the family say he has recently moved $62 million out of his accounts to hide his assets. Assuming this verdict is upheld, he's not going to be able to keep having the everyday items a wealthy person like Alex Jones has. Everything could be subject to this judgment. And so as a result, he's Good. going to have to portray himself as totally broke. And that's not that easy to do. Tonight, the family say the verdict sends a clear message. The truth matters. And those who profit off of other people's pain and trauma will pay for what they have done. This has been quite the 10-year journey for all of these families. Eva Pilgrim with us tonight, and we heard there from Dan Abrams, Eva, uh, that he believes the personal wealth of Alex Jones is not protected in this case. And there's yet another defamation case still coming. That's right, David. This is not over for Alex Jones. He's already been found liable in these cases. Good. He soon face a new trial in Texas in a lawsuit brought by the parents of another Sandy Hook victim. David. Eva Pilgrim leading us off here tonight. Eva, thank you. Fuck Alex Jones. In the defamation trial against conspiracy theorist Alex Jones for his claims. We just did that. Also... Remember, kids, you love drugs, not schools. Just saying. All right, let's move to some Supreme Court news. This one, this one's going to shock you. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has sparked outrage for saying that he used to be a Prince fan in the 80s. <laughs> On Wednesday, the Supreme Court considered if artist Andy Warhol violated Federal Copyright Act by painting a portrait of the late musician based on the work of a well-known photographer. The justices will have to rule on if Mr. Warhol's changes to the photo created something new and different. The district judge should not assume the role of art critic and seek to ascertain the intent behind or meaning of the works at issue. Judge Gerald Lynch wrote for the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit in a previous ruling. That is so both the judges are typically unsuited to make aesthetic judgments and because such perceptions are inherently subjective. New York Times Supreme Court reporter Adam Liptick quoted Justice Thomas as saying, Let's say I was a Prince fan, which I was in the 80s. To which Justice Elena Kagan responded, No longer? (laughs) Apparently somebody else tweeted, Can't trust a man who turned his back on Prince. (laughs) someone else said sir eroding our democracy is one thing but now you've gone too far as if there weren't enough reasons to hate Justice Clarence Thomas or as I like to call him old pube can oh 
One doesn't just stop being a Prince fan. One doesn't just stop being a Prince fan. Exactly. So, Thomas got drug on Twitter. As well he should have. Speaking, speaking of musical artists, Kanye West. Oh, you thought I was going to do the Lizzo thing, didn't you? Kanye West stunned Adidas executives by showing them porn on his phone during a meeting. Apparently, this is some kind of like big dick move that he's doing. This is like um, this is like the ass pennies, where the dude sticks the pennies up his ass just so that he goes into meetings knowing that that that. The other person has had pennies that have been in his ass before in his pocket. <laughs> That's Upright Citizens Brigade, I believe. What, what porn category do you think Ye was uh, was sporting? Okay, Kanye West has released a new 30-minute documentary last week which captures footage of a disturbing meeting between the rapper and two Adidas executives. We're for sexual anarchy, but there's there's consent. You live in sexual anarchy. Sexual anarchy requires consent, proper aftercare. You got to know the rules. One point during the frosty exchange, Ye whips out his phone and starts playing a clip from a pornographic video, shoving his screen into an executive's face in an attempt to strengthen his argument. Jesus Christ. He's, he's, he's got he's got no your hands. Okay. You're going to laugh. Oh, come on. I don't even know that this was some kind of big dickin' move now. I just think he's weird. Like, he thought his voice sounded like some voice he heard in a porn video. This is in his documentary. He put this out. This isn't like some leaked video or something. This is in a work that Kanye released himself. Yes, he needs help. It it is very sad watching his mental breakdown. And it's also... It's exhausting watching the right exalt him the way they have. Like PragerU and Charlie Kirk... Tucker Carlson lifting him up as some kind of example to follow. It's weird. Apparently, Kanye had some shit to talk about Lizzo. And I don't like I don't like people talking shit about Lizzo. Apparently, we're gonna hear some fat phobia in this shit. 
Lizzo responded to Kanye's comments. Apparently, Kanye said it during his interview with Tucker Carlson, who I just referenced. Now, let's talk about Gabby and my good friend Lizzo. Lizzo works with my trainer, a friend of mine, Harley Pasternak. Harley, Harley Pasternak. When Lizzo loses 10 pounds and announces it, the bots, uh, that's a term for... Uh, People like, it's like telemarketer call, callers, right. like on Instagram, they attack her for losing weight because the media wants to put out a perception that being overweight is the new goal when it's actually unhealthy. Yes. Let's get aside the fact of it's fashion and vogue, which is not. Let's, let's just, or if someone thinks it's attractive, to each his own. It's actually clinically unhealthy and for people to to promote that uh, nobody is promoting anything and i think lizzo has actually promoted healthy eating and shit as we are going to delve into but uh she's all class in her response to kanye In America, got my motherfucking name in their motherfucking mouth for no motherfucking reason. to hear you live in sexual anarchy that's some sexual anarchy he's doing a concert in Canada for those of you listening to the podcast audio everyone does seem to have Lizzo's name in their mouth including one of my close friends Man who once said that I was a formidable voice in the culture, Matt Walsh. Justin Freakin, the formidable voice in the culture. He decided he was going to come from a girl Lizzo. Fuck you, Matt Walsh. Because everybody got her name in, in their mouths. All right. Uh, this is from the Daily Wire. Singer Lizzo answered critics of her weight and the fat acceptance movement during a concert on Friday. Yay, the rapper formerly known as Kanye West. We just call him Kanye West. I feel like we just still, still just call him that. I don't Yay. Gender, but, um, Kanye West on told Fox News Tucker Carlson that Lizzo got one joke. has been criticized for losing weight, something he found extremely troubling, and tied it to a larger targeting of black Americans. Lizzo told her fans at Toronto's... Um, Scotia Bank Arena. I feel like everybody in America got my mother effing name in their mother effing mouth for no mother effing reason. You I'm had to jump on the bandwagon, Matt Walsh, business. and I had to jump on the bandwagon because you did. That's that's what she said. Everyone's talking about me. I don't know why. Look, you know there have always been, of course, pop stars who uh, who are provocative. That's as long as pop music has existed. 
it's thrived on that sort of thing, you know, publicity stunts and, and everything else. But it seems as though that is a perfect, perfectly salient take. Matt Walsh, just stop right there. That that's great. That's a good take. Don't go any further. Don't don't continue. <laughs> oh, in the past, anyway, people who tried to get attention and then got the attention they asked for would then use that attention for whatever purpose they had in mind, or they would brag about the fact that everyone's talking about them and how famous they are. It was, it was, it was really you know, very brash and showy in that way. Now, though, we have this game where they desperately flail around looking for attention, and then as soon as they get it, they cry. That's the this process. Is the Daily Wire's fucking business model. Lizzo, now, Lizzo being morbidly obese, running around naked and everything in thongs, that's not something you saw in pop music up until the last few years. But the general... I, I assure you that Lizzo is not running around naked. I, I have way too many pictures of Lizzo for some reason. <laughs> we've, we've covered her so many times on this show. But they're like bodysuits. Like that's a, that's a bodysuit that she has on. I feel like I've got other performance pictures here. I'm not seeing them. I didn't clean out my folder. General thing of just like flaunting around and 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 being half naked and just trying to get attention. Oh, yeah, that we've seen. Bodysuit. Like, yes, I, we we can all agree that that's that's pretty standard fare. But the next part is not. I mean, the next, the next part strikes me as pretty uniquely modern. Where you desperately, desperately clawing for attention, which is all Lizzo ever does. She desperately clawing. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. She is not desperately clawing for attention. That, that is you, Matt Walsh, in an attempt to get clicks. I'm doing the same thing. I can't, I can't fault Matt Walsh in that respect. I'm faulting him for saying that Lizzo's doing it because, like, I'm totally, you're totally piggybacking off Lizzo. People will click the video because we're talking about Lizzo. (laughs) No, dude, no, no. Lizzo's the star here, not you or I. (laughs) All the time. Okay, you don't, whether you're morbidly obese or not, you don't walk around in public and see through outfits unless you want people to look at you. So when you're when you're going through your closet and you've got well, she's all she's a performer, she does want people to look at her. Yourself, I, you know, I really want to be incognito today. I don't want people to notice me. I just want to get in and out. I want to run to Walmart. I got to grab a couple things. Uh, I need some new uh, you know sponges and Windex or whatever from Walmart, and uh, I, I don't want to be bothered. Well, you're not going to then grab for the see-through thong in that in, on that occasion. Maybe this analogy doesn't really work that well because it does seem like that's the sort of thing people do wear to Walmart all the time. But you, you get my point. Generally, it seems like if you don't want attention, you're not going to go. I don't get your point, And you didn't make the point that I thought you were going to make. And I don't even know how I'm going <laughs> to. Like, this was just such a dud of a segment that I don't even know how. Like, we're just going to watch Lizzo eat a burrito for the fun of it. I was I was gonna make the point that she's in far better shape than I am. Go with that sort of uh, get up, and that's what she does because she wants the attention, and then she gets it, and she's she just a performer. 
because that's what the attention is for. It's it's you know you want to generate the attention. Maybe okay. So when I had uh, my bro- my buddy Sir Warmups on on the Freak Show, he said like the Daily Wire was kind of on its way out. That they've they've fizzled out now. And I don't know, like, this segment did not hit at all. Like, Matt Walsh, you did not have any kind of a point. You look like you're you're fumbling for words. I, I'm stumbling to put a segment together now because that was just so underwhelming. So maybe, maybe the Daily Wire types are on their way out. And the... The heading here was Lizzo, a morbidly obese woman, which is just for attention. He's just saying that for attention. Doesn't want you to talk about her weight. And that wasn't even any kind of the point that he made. And I was, first of all, going to point out that she is not... um, (laughs) I was going to point out that she is not... uh, Not in any way light on cardio because a lot of singers do not uh, sing vocals live. They lip sync because they don't want to sound out of breath because they dance. But the woman that you just called morbidly obese, as I am showing you right here, is singing live, not missing a note, and dancing Sorry that I do not have the audio with with dancers who are of a more plus size, which is on purpose because Matt Walsh said Lizzo doesn't want you to talk about her weight. Yet she had a whole competition highlighting how she was going to spotlight bigger dancers. Lizzo's Watch Out for the Big Girls contestants say dance competition series embraces empowerment. And good on them. This year has already proven to be a big year for Lizzo, who in April will host and perform on Saturday Night Live. That already happened. Watch Out for the Big Girls, which debuted on Amazon Prime. Uh, follows 13 plus size women as they compete to become Lizzo's backup dancers. That's awesome. And then just because it's gonna piss right wingers off, here's Lizzo eating a burrito. <laughs> I was I was so excited. I was gonna do this segment last night and make fun of Matt Walsh. I had already made the thumbnail because I was going to clip it and put it up on YouTube. Lizzo should eat Matt Walsh. (laughs) But OBS crashed on me. I couldn't do the segment. And it didn't. It didn't let me do the segment because it crashed. Looks like a hell of a burrito. It wasn't hard to find a video of Lizzo eating. Apparently she did a lot of mukbangs. Girl likes some hot sauce. 
too much ranch. Look at that. Too much ranch. <laughs> Got too much ranch. Mmm. Mmm. I'm gonna pause this. Bite. Mmm. They don't think I follow her on Instagram. The perfect two sides of a burrito. And you can finish it that way. Look at this. Scoop. Also, if you're like me and you like to save half of your burrito for later, you got half for later. Mmm. You're welcome. Mmm. I'm just, I'm so tired of hearing about Lizzo being unhealthy. So, to own the right wingers, here's Lizzo eating a burrito. Here's Lizzo eating some uh, watermelon. Oh my God, she's putting what, mustard on the watermelon. Mustard. No, no. Watermelon. No, I'm not into that. I don't think she was into it either. Watermelon is so good. Mustard is so nasty. Oh no, no, I can't, I can't. If you if you guys were all talking about how you had the munchies, now you don't. Now you don't. <laughs> now that you now that you've seen her put mustard on watermelon. There you go. I've ruined it for you. Here's some Bengal Tigers. I like must. I like I like good. I like the Dijon mustard. I like a good brown mustard, a spicy mustard. I don't like yellow mustard. It is nasty. I like fancy mustard. Excuse me, sir. Do you have some gray poupon? <laughs> I am not a soap cilantro person. Cilantro tastes good to me. I really enjoy it. The only weird food thing I've got is that I don't like pickled shit. I don't like. I'm, I'm not really a sour person. I don't like sour candies or anything. I like a I like a sweet chocolate. I don't like I don't like kraut. I don't like uh, pickles at all. But I love cucumbers. Can't stand the flavor. Do, do you like a do you not like like a ground brown mustard? That shit's really. I I think the yellow mustard is just a little it is overwhelming. Chocolate does rule. Big fan. Look at those cute little Bengal white tigers. Now earlier I said, you know, if if you hear that I committed suicide or OD, that's the cops lying about me. 
If you hear that I got eaten by a big cat, that totally happened. The, the, the way I will die is probably choking on something or having a heart attack and being alone. Or I got eaten by a big cute cat. That was just Justin being stupid near a big cat. That is a that is a plausible way that Justin would die. They tell you I died of autoerotic asphyxiation. Uh 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 uh. Totally doesn't get my rocks off. <laughs> I could I could see if somebody wanted to frame me, you know, kill me, and then make it look like a suicide. Autoerotic asphyxiation, me being me being the man that lives in sexual anarchy. You live in sexual anarchy. That would be plausible if you didn't know that I had this like weird fear of more of my own mortality. <laughs> Choking myself would not get my rocks off. What night is it? Is it Wednesday night? Should I keep you guys company for like another seven minutes until Echoplex comes on? Is that what's going on? Is it intellectual Dollar Tree? It's a Wednesday, right? I don't even fucking know. Yes, it's Wednesday. Yeah, because we can do that. I'll keep you guys company until Echoplex comes on. Well, oh, it's Intellectual Dollar Tree. I just happen to have something. It's right here. It fits perfectly. What What the fuck? Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll, I'll, I'll bring you back to the Bengal Tigers. Don't worry. Let's hear Jordan Peterson talk about uh, psilocybin mushrooms. Oh, I did put that in. It was Dr. Jill, Jill Bolt Taylor. This is what she said about her stroke. I remember that first day of the stroke with terrific bittersweetness in the absence of the normal functioning. Oh, no. Oh, no. I can't tell you people talk about their strokes again. <laughs> of my left orientation association area, my perception of my physical boundaries was no longer limited to where my skin met air. I felt like a genie liberated from its bottle. It's a good metaphor. The energy of my spirit seemed to flow like a great whale gliding through a sea of silent euphoria. The absence of physical boundary was one of glorious bliss. That's at least some kind of out-of-body experience. Dr. Roland Griffith. I met him once at a conference in, in San Francisco. Surprise, surprise. A conference on awe, and this was just when he was embarking on his experiments with psilocybin, which were the first experiments on hallucinogens that were permitted by the National Institute of Mental Health in some three, four decades. He, he had to be very careful to lay out the scientific protocols so that the ethics committees would approve the experiments and so that the federal funding agencies would allow, also allow the experiments to go through. He started to experiment with, with psilocybin. Is, is Peterson pro-psilocybin? Very interesting. Uh, it's medical results. benefits? One was that a single psilocybin trip, and, and I, I specify trip because 
Sometimes when people take psilocybin at the doses that Griffith uses, they don't have a psychedelic experience. Most people who take the dose do, but not everyone. We're talking about micro-dosing? take the dose and don't have the mystical experience, don't experience the consequences of taking the drug. And the consequences can be quite profound. So one consequence is that... Has Jordan Peterson tripped? ...experience that's associated with psilocybin ingestion, you're liable to represent that to others and yourself as one of the two or three most important experiences of your entire life. So that would be at the same level as the birth of your child or your marriage, let's say, assuming that those were transcendent experiences. But but that's... <laughs> I've but never that's had those experiences, so, so I don't know how they compare. ...in and of itself. Then the next... I... I would assume it is immense dopamine with both of those experiences. I don't know. Next thing that Griffith, another thing that Griffith reported was that one year after. But, it, but a psilocybin trip, like that's, feeling a sense of euphoria because of it, like a, like a dopamine overload with your wedding day would be different than a psilocybin trip, which is like the mushrooms poison your body. Like you're you you've basically poisoned yourself. I can't put it in 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 scientific terms, <laughs> but it's like a defense mechanism from the mushroom, so you don't eat it. But it ends up being you know really cool at at, at certain doses, right? A psilocybin dose, a single psilocybin dose, profound enough to induce a mystical experience. The trait openness of the participants had increased one step. I don't know. I may have to take this back and say that Jordan Peterson has not tripped because the way he, he describes tripping is like somebody, some incel that has never tripped before trying to describe tripping because like the first time I ever tripped, it really removed the mysticism from it. Like, oh, this isn't this isn't some mystical experience. It's just, you know, tracers in front of your eyes, right? You don't see stuff that's not there, but if you look at a rug with a cool pattern, it'll like it'll wave around. Uh like I had a a, a girlfriend that had the crackhead had a uh a, a like a oriental fan or some shit that had a dragon on it. And like the dragon was floating around and it turned its head and looked at me that kind of thing happens you see shadows and shit that happens uh around you but there's no you don't see shit that's not there some fucking monster doesn't come and eat you up (laughs) Uh, i mean she was legitimately like I have numerous stories of where I'm laying on the couch playing video games and she's in the she's in the bathroom smoking crack. She's she's not with us anymore. And I just found that out not that long ago and when I told when I told my best friend about it, he's like, "Oh, that's sad." I'm like, "Oh, why are you sad about that?" He's like, "Oh, she was always really nice to us. We liked her." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I just, uh, I had such a, like, we spiraled together. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I've told this story before, I'll, I'll be quick about it. Like, 
we were both toxic. Like she, she had her shit together. I had my shit together. And then like we got together and we were toxic together and we both spiraled out of control. <laughs> yeah. The dragon winked at me. She would, she would invite over people that I had no clue who they were and they would smoke crack in the bathroom. I'd be playing video games. I'd be, you know, smoking pot and shit. I love sin. Yeah, we, we got into a lot of sin together. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you your Bengal Tigers back. And uh, I don't believe Jordan Peterson has ever tripped. I believe he's a loser talking about tripping. He never had a, a dragon wink at him. If you are watching on Twitch, we are heading over to Echoplex Media. It is the Intellectual Dollar Tree. HK and Producer Dave will be along shortly and they'll take real good care of you. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's alright to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin. We'll see you tomorrow night. Uh, we got debates. Oh, tomorrow afternoon for the January 6th committee hearings. <laughs>